Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, hello and welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Well, hard to believe, but January 2020 already is history. And how about those ambitious resolutions you made on New Year's Eve or maybe New Year's Day? Are you still sticking with them and so far um, remaining true to them? If not, what the heck, few of us do. But what's important is there are still 11 months left in 2020, and today is the first day of the rest of your life. In fact, there is something a little artificial about January 1st, because today, tomorrow, and all the days to come can be the start of a wonderful new life for you, be it February 11th, April 23rd, or August 12th, whatever. So let's talk this very day. Wouldn't this be a great time to start fresh, begin living with joy, and while you start making your dreams happen? And like me, I'm certain your answer is yes, but first you need to know what your dreams are and where and how to find the happiness we all desire. And my guest today, award-winning author, screenwriter, producer, journalist, and TV host, Marianne Rodini Spencer, is here to help us discover how best to start this year and the rest of your life, uh, right by setting goals, uh, first by setting goals to define, then to realize your dreams and live out your authentic life, the purposeful journey you were placed on this earth to accomplish. And before I introduce her, here are Marianne Spencer's remarkable background qualifications. She's president of Rodini Entertainment Corporation, a content creation, public relations, marketing, and TV and film production company. She's executive uh, produced and also produced movies and series for CBS's Hallmark Hall of Fame and other networks, including Showtime, The Movie Channel, CNN, USA, Sci-Fi, and PBS. And she's celebrated for co-producing and writing the teleplay for the Lost Valentine, and now considered a Hallmark classic. And uh, she's host of the award-winning Healthy Living TV cooking series and cookbook, Simply Delicious Living with Marianne. And by the way, she also produces a free magazine with the same title. And she's author of the award-winning 2017 novel, Lady in the Window, and its sequel, also an award winner, released just last October, The Paradise Table, a Kate Grace in, a mystery. And she occasionally takes time out for sleep. And honestly, I don't know how she finds the time. But hello, Marianne. We're indeed honored to have you here with us today on Middle Age and oh. Your Best Age. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, in your promotion, you promised to identify the key to finding your bliss. What is that key? I think the first thing you have to do is know yourself. And I say that because you can't really achieve bliss until you do, because we all are here for different reasons. 
And we have to find purpose in life. I think finding your right purpose gives you so much joy and satisfaction, and it impacts every area of your life if you allow yourself to do that. And if, you know, people may have jobs that they love and be in situations that they love, and that's great because that means they've found their bliss. Yeah. But sometimes people, isn't it true? Especially and, in and sometimes age, people it's so difficult, it's so easy to get in a rut, and you're just doing what you always did and not enjoying much of any of it. Right, <laughs> and if you along. do that, if you find yourself just plugging along, I think it's important to figure out what it is that you really like to do. And you might take some classes. You might, if you want to paint, you might start painting. If you want to write, you should start writing. Because many times people have creative spirits and they don't allow themselves to indulge in, in that because they figure, you know, they have to ha have a job, they have bills to pay, families to support. And the big news flash here is any creative person usually has an, another source of income yeah. until they establish themselves. And it may take years, but if you, but it gives you energy when you do the things you love. Even if you make time one or two hours a day, yeah. you, you can look forward to it. And if you're a painter or a writer, creative person, doing a little bit every day or a few times a week eventually does culminate in something that can give you a lot of satisfaction yeah. and a lot of joy. I also thought, I think you made the point in, that, in your uh, publicity write-up that uh, uh, undoubtedly uh, our lives need to be, uh, or the, one of the keys to finding your bliss is to build relationships with your family and friends uh, so that you, you're not just in it alone and you're not just thinking about yourself all the time. That is key. That is very key. And my book, The Paradise Table, is... a talks a little bit about that because my main character, Kate Grace, you know, they go, she's gone through a lot of changes, some losses in her life, and all her friends have too, and her dad has. And so basically what they do is they come together to support each other, and they do it over lovely dinners, barbecues. They might do it in a, in a community setting with the community, and they help one another. And by, by being open and, and socializing and doing things that are meaningful to them and taking care of their friends, they also find that that takes care of them. And they all help each other. And I think that connection is so important. And it's important not to just do it online. People these days, you know, they may go online or they, they're talking on their phone, but you got to get together, folks. You have to be sitting around a table, around the barbecue, you know, talking and not just looking at your phones or watching a movie. You have to, like, communicate. <laughs> well, in your novels and your magazine and on your TV program, you endorse building personal happiness by living the Hawaiian way of aloha. And I know in mm -hmm. Hawaii, aloha is a form of greeting, both hello and farewell. But can you please describe for us what it means to live in the way of aloha? Sure. You know, aloha, and this is the Hawaiians, how they look at it. They're very big into ohana, which means family. Yeah. And family can be your, your immediate family, blood relatives, your friends or the community that you live or your workplace, all the people you work with. And basically what they believe and what 
God teaches us is to do unto others, meaning treat each other with respect, with love, kindness, tolerance, compassion, how you would want to be treated, and also be good to our earth, our mother earth. Treat it with respect. Make sure that you you know, don't litter and you conserve water if you need to. And, you know, you just take care of your, your space and your environment. Doing those things not only is living aloha but it, and doing unto others, it's actually creating a better world where people are going to be happier and they're going to contribute to one another. And we all, whether we realize it or not, we all impact one another by our yeah. attitudes and, and by how we treat one another. Game. You don't have to take something away from someone else to build up your exactly. own <laughs> Exactly. There is a, enough abundance for everyone. Everyone has to really look at themselves, do what they love. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your other, who this person has that, this person has that. Every day, give thanks for your blessings, and you'll find that happiness. You'll well, find the your heroine, The heroine in your two novels, Kate Grace, can feel the magical spirit of Aloha the moment she sets foot in the beautiful Hawaiian Islands. And the reality is most of us don't and probably never will live in or even visit Hawaii. Is it possible to adopt a genuine way of aloha while residing in Brooklyn, New York, Port Dodge, yes. Iowa, or Houston, Texas? And how best can Absolutely. overcome the stresses of daily living in the hectic, pollution-filled urban, suburban, or even rural environment? How do we I'll get tell you how. On that? <laughs> I'll tell you, every community usually has a park, or if you have a car or if there's a train nearby, you can go to a nature setting, whether it be a park, an ocean, a mountain, a beach. Make time to do that, even a few times a month. If you live in the city, go to a park. You know, um, but here are some real ways to do it. Um, express gratitude. Say a prayer every day for your blessings. And become aware of your surroundings. If you know, enjoy that cup of coffee in the morning. If you're in Brooklyn, go get that lox and bagel and really enjoy it. <laughs> um, yes, surround yourself with beauty, whether it be art. You can go to a beautiful museum. You could also uh, take photos and put them on your wall. Surround yourself with nature and music and things that you like. If you like sports, go to a sporting event. Just in, but the a real big thing is enjoying times, special times with family and friends. Yeah. Invite them over for dinner. It can be a potluck dinner, if you know. It, it, and that's sometimes the most fun because each each person may bring a certain dish. They all contribute and they all have a great time. But another thing is too to exercise, take care of yourself, eat right. Oh, all yeah, of these things so contribute to your bliss, yeah. you know. And it makes you happy wherever you are. There are things. In any place that you live, there are beautiful things about that place. Yeah. And, you know, if, 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 you, if you make time, you could also, if you want to explore something else, do a vacation once a year and enjoy that. Look forward to it. Plan for that. If you can't do that, find those things, those activities in your neighborhood. Take that painting class. You know, um, meet with friends. Have them over for potluck. You can do so much whether you live in the city or the country. 
Will you tell us to start the year off by setting goals to realize our dreams? But let's start at the beginning. So many of us don't really have realistic dreams or plans for the future. We may have had them when we were younger, but they kind of got lost along the way. How do we identify and define these dreams? Let's say you're a middle-aged listener, maybe 44 or 53, who has been struggling through the here and now with no real dreams or plans for the future. Realistically, can you uh, call a timeout for your daily stress to figure uh, the future out? Can you suggest a way to dream big, set realistic life objectives, then visualize a long-term plan to accomplish those dreams? How do we get started on, on identifying what we really want out of life? Yes. I think the first thing you can do is take time either on the weekends or in the evening or if you get up early in the morning an hour each day, write down where where you'd like to see yourself in five years, yeah. maybe ten years. Write down some goals that you want to accomplish that are in reach. And then write down on another page goals that are, you know, a plan that you might it might take some time to get there. Yeah. Then you might look at you might look at magazines for ideas, you know, yeah. if you want to um do something for your health. Take some words out of the magazine, take some pictures figure out, I want to look like that or I'd like to get more healthy. If you want to change, uh, let's say, your environment, change the decor in your house, look at some pictures that might be inspiration pictures. Watch HGTV for some ideas, you know. And really, I think it's a matter, you have to dream first and you have to write it down or take pictures, whatever works for you. And then go back and revisit that every so often. You might find it changing. And if you put your goals down for the year away, and take it out in December, let's say, you might find that you have achieved all those goals. And how does that happen? It's the law of attraction, universe, whatever you want to call it. Say you're, But I think also it's God's will. Yeah. Certain things are. We, we can try to do certain things and want them, but we really just have to, I think if we're honest with ourselves, respect ourselves, allow ourselves to use our talents, we can find what those talents are, and that can bring joy. And one thing leads to another. But I do think goal setting and journaling is very important because it can help identify what it is that attracts you, what it is that you want to do that's in your heart. Yeah. I always suggest in my book that you uh, take a mental vacation and to determine <laughs> your vocation or whatever you really want out of life. And if you say to yourself, I will not be stressed for the next 30 days I'm going to take a mental vacation and you just refuse to let anything get you down. I mean, it's easier said than done, but that's, uh, you know, one way to get away from worrying about where to, uh, what you're going to do tomorrow and really think about that kind of thing. But, uh, I think you have to do that, and that's why people sometimes may watch a movie or a great thing I love to do is just get outside, you know, take yeah, a walk yeah. in a park or in a forest or, you know, g get out because you're looking at everything surrounding you, and research shows that when you get out in nature, first of all, when you move, when you exercise or walk, you feel better and it's yeah. better for you. And then it clears your mind, and you're just – there's something about being in nature. It's it's the positive ions. It just is good for you, and research shows this. So I think just get out of your rut, get out of your routine, um, and you'll feel better. But I think a lot of it starts with you, journaling, writing, 
Eating well, exercise is important because it makes you strong and it clears your mind. Yeah, you and start with giving gratitude. You're going to find what your dreams are. You know, you have that objective mm-hmm. yes. before you do anything else, and you uh, become convinced that you are going to find what you really want to do with, with the rest of your life, and you're not trapped mm-hmm. by circumstances or someone else, a, a job you don't like, for instance, that you're uh, destined to be miserable. Absolutely, and it, and it might... It might come out of volunteering for something. You might yeah. volunteer at the hospital. You could join a community group and help people. Things come out of that. And the more you get out there and investigate, it's really important. But, again, every day I think you need to give gratitude and thanks to God for your blessings because that can put you on the right road and the right mental attitude. Well, I firmly believe that almost all of us would like, as you suggest, to live an authentic life in your opinion, do most people accomplish an authentic life, or is authenticity reserved for a select few? <laughs> I think if if you know you follow the principles, doing checking in with yourself, looking at your life, and really again goal setting, journaling what you want to happen. I think anyone can live their authentic life. Yeah. I think it's it's everyone's um, prerogative. I think it's in everyone's grasp. You have to believe in yourself, and you have to just go after what you really want. Or if you don't know, you have to make it an effort and a commitment to find it. Yeah, we haven't mentioned try- visualizing, but it's so important that yes. you visualize what you'd really like uh, out of your life and what you where you'd like to be in five years or whatever. Absolutely. And, uh, Visualization is key, and then again, I say you visualize, you do all that, and you give it over to God, and then you say, Whatever's meant to be, you know that you're going to be live a happy, healthy life, and you want whatever you want, you know, to find that. That has to be your goal because you may think you want something, but that may not be right for you. You, we don't have all the answers, but if you live honestly and true to yourself and live with joy and love and gratitude, it your path will be known. You have to be, you know, you have to listen and watch. And things will unfold for you that will make sense. But sometimes we don't know what's necessarily right or good for us. We have to give that over and just keep a positive attitude while it's happening. It's very important. Well, let's talk about your two Amazon best-selling novels, Lady in the Window and The Paradise Table. And although both books are fiction, they can be very inspirational to those who are seeking to positively relaunch Life at Midstream. Regarding Lady in the Window, a New York Times best-selling author Nelson DeMille called the book a perfect remedy for the stresses we all experience. Without giving away the plot to potential readers, can you very briefly describe the unfortunate circumstances the book's heroine Kate Grace finds herself in and the benefits she receives from taking up a friend's suggestion of moving to... uh, why? Yes. Um, Kate has suffered, so I don't want to tell you because I don't want to ruin it, but she no. suffered some losses that are major. Yeah. And in her personal life, in her, you know, in her, her work life's going along pretty well, although she's not, she's kind of happy in it, but it's not totally fulfilling. Yeah. So um, like, like many people, she faces everything that we all face at one time or another. And 
a, a tragedy kind of makes her look at her life in a different way. And her friend offers her a cottage to stay at. So while she's at that cottage, she's kind of, she does what we just talked about. Yeah. She get, takes time in nature. She looks at her life. She examines it. She sets some goals. But she also meets people. And she's involved with their lives and getting to know them. All of this, she finally, it crystallizes for her what she needs to do in her work life and what she needs to do in her personal life. And it doesn't happen instantly, but it happens when she allows herself to let better things come in and not always take control, kind of let go and just enjoy the moment, enjoy people, enjoy nature, give gratitude, and things happen to her. And in the Paradise Table, the sequel book, the same thing. People are going through things. And it's all, it's about friends. It's about relationships with your friends and family and community, how we help one another, and how, how to, we get in touch by doing that. We can learn to live our authentic life, and we can help one another in the process. I love the way um, uh, a critic described it. You magically weave together the breathtaking beauty and spirituality of Kauai, miracles and the power of faith and love, into an intriguing quest for the truth. And uh, someone said it's almost like going to Hawaii yourself. <laughs> so that would be kind of an expensive way to do that, <laughs> read the book. That is so nice. That is so nice. But, yes, I tried because I just love um, I love nature, and there's so many beautiful trees, the mountains, the ocean, the yeah. beautiful flowering, yeah. exotic plants. And I tried to bring that in. I wanted to, to have a, a a person reading the book to have that experience of the beauty of Hawaii and how that makes you feel and the beauty of nature and nature, as we said, nature anywhere, but what it can do and being in touch that way, how it can make you feel. Where's the best place for listeners to go to preview and purchase your two novels? Sure. They can go to alohawriter.com. That's alohawriter.com. Or my name, MarianneRadiniSpencer.com. I have all the information there, but they can Google the books on Amazon, or they can actually search the books on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. And it's available in hardcover, paperback, and e-books. Yeah, I I saw it uh, right up there. Excellent. They sound like very intriguing books. I'll have to get a hold Good. of them myself. Tell Wonderful. us about you're such a multi-talented individual. It's difficult to remove all your talents, but tell us very briefly about your award-winning TV show and your free magazine titled Simply Delicious Living with Mary Ann. <laughs> my mom sure. Well, <laughs> sure. On my on my website, and people can also go to simplydeliciousliving.com. They all go to the same place. It's my website and blog. And my blog's an award-winning blog. I, I have been a food writer and editor and also a recipe developer for a number of um, companies like Jarlsberg, Cheese, Woolrich, Dairy, Benito's, so, you know, a number of companies I've created recipes. And I've always loved, I've produced a lot of um, TV cooking series, oh. and I, I love doing it myself. And I do have a cookbook. And basically, I have recipes, and I, I show people how to make them. And it's a PBS TV series that's in Southern California. But people can watch from my blog or my oh. website, and also on YouTube. You know, so they can subscribe to my channel on YouTube. And What's it's the very quick. Go to, to get to your website. 
Sure. It's just my name, MarianneRadiniSpencer.com or AlohaRider.com or SimplyDeliciousLiving.com. They all go to the same place. com is easier to spell. Yes, <laughs> it is. It's less less letters. Yeah. <laughs> but it's called Simply Delicious Living. That's my blog. And um, I love talking i also have like decor ideas and the home home living ideas because i've been a lifestyle writer so my blog has a little bit of everything yeah, you sound like you've <laughs> done practically everything there is <laughs> i know quiet. i got tired listening to your intro i thought oh my gosh <laughs> when i think of it, it you know i do do a lot but I, I you know i have a lot of joy for it so you know, in conclusion, you know, when I think about it, I don't believe I've ever met or talked to any resident of Hawaii who didn't display a warm, caring attitude toward folks around them, including me, and they just seem to be at peace with themselves, their circumstances, and their relationships. And for certain mm-hmm. today's guest, Marianne Rodini Spencer, I uh, would tell you they simply are demonstrating the way of aloha. And I know a lot of you may scoff and say, I have the uh, aloha spirit. I would have that spirit also if I lived in a beautiful island paradise where every day felt like spring. But as Marianne suggests, the aloha way isn't primarily about climate. It's more about a loving relationship and following the golden rule uh, in our interaction with uh, just about every, not just with close uh, loved ones and friends, but with anyone you come in contact with. And here's an idea. If you're not ready today to think about your authentic destiny and your dreams for the future, why not dedicate some quality time today and every day thereafter uh, until you're uh, with your spouse, kids, grandkids, if you've got them, closest friends, taking a genuine interest in what they're up to and helping each one of them to have a better day. And that applies also to strangers you meet along the way. You can be friendly to them and warm and ask them questions about what they need and how they would like to spend the day and try to perform one act every day that in some way helps someone else improve their own uh, circumstances, achieve a goal, or simply have a good day. And over time, your outlook will brighten, stress will ease, and before you even realize it, you'll be living your life in the Aloha way. And soon you'll discover that living for others, not just for yourself, is the surest path to a lifetime of bliss. And thank you so much, Mary Ann Spencer, for your inspiration and best of success in all that you do in this year and in all the years that follow. Aloha and mahalo, which means thank you. And I was going to say aloha to you, and thanks so much for joining us. (laughs) Thank you. Well, that was the most inspiring message from my guest, Mary Ann Spencer. And 2020 is indeed an excellent year to define your purpose and bring bliss into your life, beginning right this very day. And I'm going to close today's program by examining the other side of the coin. You know, to make room for bliss, we will need to say no to negativity. And I came across an article on that very subject by John Tierney and Roy Baumeister in the December 28, 2019 issue of the Wall Street Journal. And I'm going to share some of their observations with you. And their contention, and I know it's true in my life, and I bet in yours also, bad experiences affect us 
much more powerfully than good ones. And the good news, Tierney and Baumeister also contend that there are ways to deal with our destructive bias and to overcome it. And I think all of us can agree the new year is supposed to bring us hope of a new beginning, but far too often it feels grim. We resolve to be virtuous, to lose weight, to exercise more, to unplug from social media, make friends and strengthen face-to-face relationships, but then we recall past struggles and failed resolutions from last year and the year before, and we fear losing another struggle. And we toast a better, happier world in 2020, but we know there will be endless bad news and vitriol in the new year, especially since this is an election year. And our politicians and the media certainly don't help. Great to start out the new year with an impeachment trial. But here's the positive. The article suggests a fresh approach for this year, a resolution that might actually work, And the resolution, go on a low-bad diet. (laughs) Sounds better than a low-fat diet, doesn't it? The writers tell us that our minds and lives are skewed by a fundamental imbalance that is just now becoming clear to scientists, what they call the negativity effect, also known as the negativity bias. It's the universal tendency for bad events and emotions to influence us more strongly than positive ones. We're devastated by a word of criticism, but unmoved by a shower of praise. And we notice that one hostile face in the crowd and miss all the friendly smiles. We focus so much on bad news, which in fact at times may be good news to someone else, especially in a digital world that magnifies its power that we don't realize how much better life is becoming for people around the world. Now, I'll have to take that last statement on faith because the writers don't offer any statistics to support their contention, but we all can agree that bad news gets a lot more media attention than good news. But here's the proposed antidote. By recognizing our negativity bias and intentionally overriding our innate responses, We can break destructive patterns, make smarter decisions, see the world more realistically, and bring more positive into our daily lives and our outlook for the future, at the very least, counterbalance all the negative. Inside your mind and emotions, bad is stronger than good, but good can prevail if you know what you're up against. First, let's consider what gives bad its greater power. You know, scientists tell us that our brain's negativity has evolved because of a survival mechanism. Our ancient ancestors, the hunter-gatherers who survived and passed on their genes, were the ones who paid attention to threats like poisonous berries or predatory lions rather than the good things in life. At times, this bias still is useful if we, uh, in the split second, avoid a collision while driving, or we take shelter before a tornado where one mistake can be fatal, but work, uh, what works so well for hunter-gatherers doesn't always work for us. And here's another thought. The urge to load up on fattening calories was useful for lean times, but it can lead to obesity, ill health, 
and just a negative feeling toward life uh, when junk food is available to tempt you all day long. And today we're assailed around the clock by merchants of bad, of excess, and of fear. Politicians, advertisers, and journalists tap into our, into our painful emotions by hyping threats from nature, technology, political opponents, foreigners, or folks not like us, whatever will instantly trigger our brain's alarm circuits. And psychologists themselves have been promoting this negativity bias. We in the public have learned lots about psychoses and depression, but precious little about the mind's resilience and capacity to overcome difficulty and uh, achieve happiness. Post-traumatic stress disorder has become common, common knowledge, but when's the last time you heard about post-traumatic growth, which according to Messrs. Tierney and Baumeister is actually far more common? And uh, most people who experience trauma ultimately feel the experience has made them feel stronger and become a better person. And recognizing their own bias, psychologists are now studying an individual's positivity ratio, the number of good events or emotions for every bad one. And here's some encouraging news for us. Researchers have discovered that older people typically are more contented than younger folks because as we progress our, uh, through middle age, we've learned how to improve the positivity ratio in our lives. And many of us have already gone on a low-bad diet, and the rest of us can at any age. And the author, authors offer a few suggestions, and let's talk about them. Here they are. Suggestion number one, first, do no harm. We pride ourselves in the many good things we do for friends and family, but avoiding bad is far more important. You get relatively little credit for doing more than you promised, but you pay a big price for falling short. And in marriages that fail, spouses assume the worst and respond angrily to their partner's failings. And because bad emotions are so powerful and contagious, a minor argument can quickly spiral into a major fight and ultimately divorce. And minimizing the negative is similarly crucial in your business or career. Negative customers can have such a disproportionate impact on your business, especially the ones who post grievances online. And here's an interesting thought. Research into bad apples in the workplace has shown that performance of a team depends not on the average of team member abilities, but on the ability of the worst member. And several uh, stars can't compensate for one dud. And here's recommendation number two. Remember the rule of four. Many studies, this is really interesting, have shown that a negative event or emotion usually has at least three times the impact of a comparable positive one. So keep in mind it takes four things to compensate for one bad thing. Now this is a rule of thumb, not a universal law of nature, and it doesn't apply to every person in every situation. Uh, but I like this suggestion. If you and your partner are having sex four times more often than you fight, that's probably a healthy, happy relationship. 
And if you have a bad Monday at work, you will need to have a good Tuesday through Friday, presuming that you didn't get fired on Monday. Keep the rule of four in mind when you're considering the impact of your actions. So if you say or do something harmful, don't expect to atone for it with one bit of goodwill. Plan upon at least four compliments to wake up for one criticism. And here's number three, put the bad moments to good use. That just makes common sense, doesn't it? Instead of despairing at a setback, override your gut reaction and look for a useful lesson. The upside of the negativity effect and it is its power to teach and motivate. Penalties usually are more effective than rewards at spurring us to improve. And rule number four, capitalize on the good moments and then relive them. Psychologists have found that sharing good news is one of the most effective ways to become happier, but there's one major qualification, only if the other person responds enthusiastically. So make sure you rejoice in your friend's good fortune, or at least fake it. <laughs> sharing good news with others uh, makes your triumph more significant so it's more likely to be recalled later, which is another proven way to boost happiness. And one reason that happiness increases at or beyond middle age is that folks our age spend more time savoring good memories rather than obsessing about today's problems. I hope that's true of yours, of you. And I trust the focus on fond memory applies to you. And by the way, when I speak of sharing good news with others, I'm not talking about bragging or boasting about something that somehow implies that you're better, more fortunate, or more lucky than your friend. The good news you share should always offer positive benefits to your friend and to others as well as to yourself, or at least certainly have no negative impact on them. And also, you need to take time to listen and rejoice in your friend's good news as well. It's not all about me, me, me. And here's the final suggestion. Number five, see the big picture. According to the article, just about every measure of human welfare is improving except hope. Uh, now, I have no means of verifying that human welfare is improving, uh, but I believe it is, and let's accept that premise on faith that common welfare is improving. One thing for certain, the better life gets, the gloomier our worldview. In international surveys, it's the rich who sound most pessimistic, and according to the writers, the least informed. That would certainly apply to Messrs. Bloomberg and Steyer in the presidential race, wouldn't it? Both billionaires, multi-billionaires. The global rate of poverty has declined by two-thirds in recent decades, according to the authors, but most folks in affluent countries think it has remained steady or gotten worse. And crime has plummeted in the U.S., but most Americans think it has gotten worse because we see so much mayhem in our screens. And I just had that argument with my wife yesterday. She believes crime is getting a lot worse in America, but statistics show otherwise, apparently. So how do we combat all this public negativity? Well, when there's a school shooting, natural disaster, or terrorist attack, take brief time out to learn the facts, but don't wallow for hours watching live coverage that rarely adds anything significant to what you learned in the first few minutes of watching. 
instead seek out or help create those four uplisting stories or experiences you will need to offset the one bad. And when politician or media's talking heads are attacking each other, change channels or turn TV off and read a positive book or listen to your favorite relaxing music. And if you continue to remember and follow the rule of four, at least four uplifting stories for every one bad one, you will get a much more accurate view of the world. By rationally looking for and uncovering positive long-term trends, both in the world and in your personal life, instead of viscerally reacting to the horror story of the day or the bad thing that happened to you at work or the fight you engaged in at home, you will begin visualizing the great potential you have both for today and for the future. In fact, the great potential all of us have, and you will begin making solid plans to accomplish that bright future, both for yourself and for those you love. Heck, for that, as much as each of us has the ability to do so for the entire planet Earth. No matter what disasters, man-made or other, occur in 2020, and no matter who wins the election, the average person in America and in the rest of the world, in all likelihood, will become healthier and wealthier. Obviously, a few of us, that won't be the case, because bad things do happen to good people, but we must overcome by retaining that positive vision. And if you uh, go on a low-bad diet, you undoubtedly will become both healthier and wiser, and regardless of immediate circumstances, you will begin uh, living a life of joyful expectation, a life of bliss and purpose. And I trust you'll agree there are some very hopeful and healthy recommendations in the Wall Street Journal article I just described. So we'll end today's program on this positive note. Let's all diminish our negativity. Go on a low-bad diet. And don't forget to preview my book, A Midlife Challenge Wake Up, by me, Roy C. Richards. You'll find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or through our website, middleagerenewal.com. And that's our program for today. Tune in next week when my guest will suggest how to be an effective parent while at the same time making room in your life to fulfill your own dreams. It is possible. And bye for now from Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com.